Welcome to another episode of whatever we're calling this. The podcast of comparative literature and cultural studies at the University of Arkansas. Today, we invited Sky Oliver to talk about comprehensive exams and service. Sky is a PhD candidate in English at the University of Arkansas. Uh, today, we have uh, our new host, Isidoro. So, uh, Isidoro, I, I, I know you, uh, people know you, but then for the audience who have maybe never heard about your name, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Thank you, Guillermo, for this opportunity. I am in the complete program, and this is my third semester, second year. And I'm planning to take my comms very soon. So this episode is really interesting for me. Oh, nice, nice. Well, congrats. And I'm happy that you are into that spooky area of uh, comms. Now, Isidoro, I, I think that my mom will be so proud because today I am interviewing the president. Yes, the president of graduate students in English, a PhD student and PhD candidate, Sky Oliver. Hi, Sky. Hi, Guillermo. Hi, Isidoro. It's so great to be here. No, and thank you for, for accepting the invitation, of course, and, and we're glad, uh, of course, of being uh, having you today in the episode. So, because like the English department and comparative literature, we're kind of like cousins but we barely know how the other works. So we know that we only see each other during Thanksgiving. Basically, that's how our relationship <laughs> is. <laughs> so Sky, in the English department, okay, what are the comprehensive exams? And is there any like doctoral degree timeline? Um, yes. So <clears throat> the tricky thing about being in the English department is that especially whenever you choose to specialize, there's a lot of leeway um, with what your comprehensive exam will look like specifically. But in general, um, the doctoral degree timeline goes like this. Um, your first four semesters or two years, you take coursework and you must complete all of that coursework before you start taking reading hours for your comprehensive exams. We have uh, two, two, not obstacles, but um, two checkpoints before we actually um, become officially ABD and allowed to start taking dissertation hours. The first um, is the comprehensive exam. It's a written exam. It's 72 hours and it's based on your reading list that you work together with your advisor um, and your committee to make. And your committee gets together a few weeks before you decide to take your exam. You set the date they make the questions, they, at this point in time, email you the questions and you start your 72 hours and you have 72 hours to write 30 pages of material um, to, answer your, to answer those questions. And then at some point after that, typically the following semester, you will do your dissertation prospectus. Uh, and I'm currently in the middle of that. I've took my comprehensive exams over Labor Day weekend this fall and next semester, I'll be taking my, um, my dissertation prospectus in front of my committee. And it's technically an oral exam, but it's, it's more like a practice defense and sort of a feedback sort of uh, conversation, really. They try to make it uh, productive. 
Great. Wow. Oh, Sky, you, you gave me a, a lot of information. Now I see the connection between uh, our relationship as cousins. Now I see some similarities with the, between like the, the 72 hours. Now, um, I'm curious about the uh, reading list. Like, I know that you mentioned that you discussed that with your advisor, but then how do you how do you come up with that list? You're just like, hey, this is what I feel. This is my passion. Give me this list. Or did your advisor say, hey, Sky, I am the all almighty. Take this list. So how, how was your process? Uh, it's it's more of the former. So I, I decided what I liked. Um, what I love to read, what I was passionate about. I was very directed by what I think I want to research for my dissertation. However, I also had to keep in mind uh, sort of a wider reading of my field. So the comprehensive exam um, is meant to partially prepare you to have read um, mostly primary sources, but some secondary sources as well for your field, <clears throat> which is in my case, medieval literature, excuse me, but it, um, also is meant to prepare you to be able to kind of pick up and teach any class in the field. Um, the people in the English department, um, most, most who are going to be your advisors, want you to feel ready to get a job, to teach, research, um, and be really flexible. So in my case, I used my reading list to supplement what I have, what I have already taken as coursework and sort of fill in all of the, the gaps, basically. So I actually ended up reading a lot of uh, old French literature. Um, and I read a lot of primary sources that I just hadn't come across in my general coursework. And then I gravitated towards secondary resources that would probably help me with my dissertation research. It does look a little bit different for every graduate student. Um, as a medievalist, I, I think I, had a shorter list, most medievalists do, because um, as, as you all might understand, actually, we're working in multiple languages. Um, whereas someone who does American literature or uh, modern British literature, they're all working in English. So they might have 125 books on their list. Um, and we, we usually have less than 100. Thank you. I have one question for you. Uh... Yes. I was curious when you say like you are not allowed to take uh, dissertation hours or reading hours before completing the completing the comps. Uh, I'm wondering what is the difference between the reading hours if that's like a course you take with your one of your advisors or it is dissertation hours. Like what is the difference between the reading hours and dissertation hours? I th I think it's mostly administrative. Um, whenever, whenever I have officially passed my dissertation prospectus uh, exam, uh, I will move into taking dissertation hours rather than reading hours. Um, I, I think it's mostly administrative, but um, it does, I guess, signal a change in the mood. Uh, up to this point, taking reading hours, I've been mostly reading. And um, ideally, when I start my dissertation hours, I'll be, I guess I'll still be reading, of course. We never stop reading, do we? Um, but I'll be mostly writing. The, the idea will be that I'm primarily producing my dissertation during that time. 
Okay, great. Uh, greatest kind. Uh, okay, now, when I listen to this... For me, it, it sounds like doing exercise, like training. Now, with this background that uh, we have right now, I was kind of curious, how long do you or did you prepare before taking the exams? Did you do any kind of particular activities to relax yourself? Or mm -hmm. did you start writing as a crazy and typing on your keyboard? So can you give us some tips for, for people who want to to be as, as well prepared as possible and do not get frustrated in the process? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I want to say that, that I would recommend for an, anyone um, going into this is gather as many experiences as possible. Um, I talked to, I think, three different people who had gone through the comms process before I went through mine. My experience didn't look anything like theirs. Um, even though we were like all medievalists, we're all sort of in the same stage of life. We have kids at home that we're trying to juggle and our experiences were so different, um, which, which is kind of awesome because that means as you're going into preparing for comps, you can gather all of these experiences and pick the advice that works for you. Um, pick, uh, pick the advice that you think will help you succeed. Um, I think at the end of the day, doing well um, and feeling pretty well about completing comps is a lot about knowing yourself and knowing what you need to do to succeed at it. It's, it's strenuous. Um, I, it, it is like physically training for a competition. It really is like uh, I did rowing in undergrad and, you know, we would practice for hours, um, hours every week. And then we would have this really brief uh, 2K sprint and it was eight minutes long and 72 hours to write 30 pages kind of feels like an eight minute long sprint race. It's a sprint race. Um, right. Whereas the rest of your doctoral degree is very much a marathon. It's a long, it's a long run. Um, but this is very uh, intense and short. So I think gathering experiences is really important for me. Um, I knew that I needed someone to remind me to like physically take care of myself. Um, I knew that I would not get lunch for myself. Um, so I had a friend uh, come into town and he, his job was to deliver me takeout or snacks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, finding people who support you and who can just check in on you and tell you you're great is really helpful. Um, please reach out to me if you need to be, like, if you need a person to do that, I'm happy to be your hype person. Um, and, and then I think resting before it actually happens. Um, I got a lot of advice to do pre-writing, to look over my notes the week before. Um, but my partner actually like sat down with me and, and he said, you just need to rest. He said, don't do anything. Let your brain take a break. Um, and I think that made the difference. I was like ready to go. When I got the questions, I sat down with them. I thought about them and then I was in the zone and I just did it. Um, and I think taking that break beforehand helped me to do that, to really focus and feel confident in myself. That is really good. Uh, you kind of sort of answered the question I was, I was getting ready for you. Cause like, 
you say like gathering the information that you say create writing too. So it's not just like about gathering information, it's about producing too, right? Mm -hmm. It is, absolutely. I will say some people do more pre-writing than others. I did very little pre-writing, which meant that I had to produce massively. Um, uh, and I mean, that was a choice that I knew going in, you know, I knew I was going to have to produce more, um, but it, it, you, that's what worked for me. That is good. Uh, I, I was wondering, like, what do you recommend uh, to, to do with your time with those like three days? Uh, do you recommend to do like an strenuous like, writing at the beginning and kind of do more editing at the end? Like how, how did you do that process? Um, the way I did it was uh, I actually asked for my exam to start at 7 p.m. so that I could get the questions. Uh, I have a whiteboard at home, so I got the questions, and then I kind of like vaguely outlined what I thought maybe I would do for these two papers, and then I went to bed. I made myself go to sleep. I made myself not stay awake. Um, I woke up fresh the next morning. I, I was working on campus, um, so I came into campus set up my workspace um, and I just dove in. I worked an eight hour day and I made myself stop at the end of eight hours at, at five or 5.30 PM, I, I left. Um, and then I went out and had dinner with people. I, I didn't let myself um, just like keep pushing through. And then the second day I did a similar thing. I think I worked about nine or 10 hours. And then, and then the third day, um, I worked, I did admittedly work for about 14 hours on <laughs> getting it all done. Um, I do think that in general, maybe it's just up to your committee and you, I think I encourage everyone to just be honest with your committee and ask them questions like what they expect. But um, it, my committee assured me that they weren't looking for polished text that's publishable. They wanted to see me thinking and producing knowledge and making connections in meaningful ways um you know they didn't want it to be perfect so I actually didn't spend a a lot of time editing um I tend to be a pretty heavy outliner though so if, if you're in the habit of doing a lot of pre-writing I organized quite a lot before I even wrote stuff those are wonderful uh, advices, Sky, and uh, I think that if people organize and outline what they want to, to, to express in the paper, I think that it's going to benefit them a lot. Now, because we're talking about benefits for graduate students, there is always something that, that, that people, like in, in my case as an international student, we do not realize is about service. Uh, how do you serve on campus? Is it complicated? Uh, so at my in, in my first three years, I barely do anything on campus because I was like, oh no, they just uh, are they're giving me the information just to study, uh, the opportunity to study, to 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 write and that kind of thing. So if they want that someone serve on something, I think that they need to hire them. So that was my misconception about how service works. Now, because of course you are the president of of graduate uh, students in English. Uh, I, I'm curious, how do you see the service? Uh, what suggestions can you, you can give to graduate students, how we can serve on campus as uh, students in literature, uh, besides being the president uh, and, and running for this position, because there are like five more positions. 
you can give maybe a more detail about that part, but is there, are there any other opportunities that we can serve on campus? Um, I think the main piece of advice I have is to be friendly, talk to people, show your face and say yes to things. Um, grad students in general get really good at saying no to things, which is so important. It's so important. Like you need to say no to things, but it's a delicate balance, right? Like if, if you're always saying no to things, like I stumbled into um, the GSE. I, I kind of on a whim submitted to give a paper at the GSE conference. I ended up in a panel with one of the other officers serving and then she just nominated me. Uh, <laughs> she just nominated me. And, and I said, this is probably gonna, this is gonna take time, um, right? Away from my studies. It's gonna be hard. It's, you know, an extra hour every month of going to a meeting, um, but I'll do it. Like, why not? Um, for me, it was a way to just like get into the community, especially, um, since I started fall 2020, um, full pandemic mode, all online, this was a way for me to, to engage with the, the graduate community, honestly. Um, I think other ways to serve are to um, just talk to people. So much of it is ephemeral, right? Because we're only here for two years or four years or five years. Um, things, things are born and die in terms of like service ideas and positions and organizations. Um, but start with the people you already know, I think. Um, those opportunities will sort of tumble into your lap if you're just looking for ways to make things better or to build community or look at things that you maybe wish you could see on campus. Um, that's why I, that's why I, wanted to be GSE president after I was the student faculty liaison, I, I looked around and I thought, I really want more community building activities. Um, I want grad students to have more opportunities to come together and hang out and be together. Um, I want more professional development opportunities. Um, so, so then I asked someone to nominate me to be the president and, um, and I'm trying to make that happen uh, through this <laughs> through this position. No, and, I, and as a student in comparative literature, I, I have seen those spaces. So I have seen the the, the connection that we're trying to create this gathering. Also, mm -hmm. I realized that pandemic uh, really uh, taught us a lot. Uh, we also want to do things better. We want to create more spaces. Like that's how the podcast starts, just as an excuse to to create a space that was not available, just to create connections. And in this kind of connections, Sky, you already mentioned that you're working on, 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 on medieval literature, French literature. So this whole experience as a student, um, doing service learning, uh, creating all this, what you have been doing so far in the last year, what do you want to do on, on, on your dissertation? What is your project about? I know that you speak and you read Latin, uh, medieval French, uh, I don't know, Greek maybe as well. So there is a lot of things that you do. So I'm curious, wh what are you going to do on your dissertation? Um, well, first I'll say 
I, I don't actually speak Greek or no Greek. I wish though. Um, <laughs> mostly I've leaned very hard into French. Um, so for my dissertation, um, what I'm working on right now are uh, basically essentially queer readings in medieval romance um, from, from troubadours and troubarits in the south of France to trouvères in the north of France, um, especially focusing on the, right, the exchange between England and France across the channel um, and then into England in the sort of vaguely 11th to 13th centuries. Um, I've been working on an article that produces a queer reading of the villain of the story, um, Le Romeau de Silence, and I'm hoping to, to continue doing that and applying those same frameworks just on the big stage of dissertation. Nice. Well, that that sounds uh, fascinating, Sky. Now that you mentioned the, the the article section, and this could be the last question, uh, is um, how do you start a draft for an article that maybe a graduate student would like to publish somewhere? Where, where do they need to start? Do they need to look for the journal first, or do or do you think that maybe they need to write the article first? Which one comes first? the chicken or the egg? <laughs> for me, um, for me, it was, I don't know which is the chicken or the egg. For me, it was the article. <laughs> I, um, for me, it was the, it was the paper. I wrote a paper for um, Dr. Marybeth Long for one of her classes. And she said, hey, this is a good idea. You should maybe publish this. And I answered her back, what? I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I'm just a grad student. And she said, no, 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 you have, you, you, you have this, you can do this. Um, and she actually recommended a book called Writing Your Journal Article in 12 Weeks by Wendy Belcher. It is a lifesaver and it's like my holy book and I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's this workbook that actually allows you to do whatever is preferable to you. So it actually has instructions for writing an article from the ground up, not having an article. And then there's, you know, another track, which is what I'm following, that is um, revise your article and get it ready in 12 weeks. Um, I personally think it's easier if you have something to work with, especially because right, like we're graduate students, we have so many other things to do. Who's going to produce this brand new paper um, so I would recommend finding something that you've already written. I will say that if you just go digging through your Google Drive or your folder on your laptop, wherever you keep all of your old papers, you can probably find something publishable. Um, and if you need someone else to write, look at that and, and tell you, yes, you can do this, right? Um, you know, find, find colleagues who you trust and say, hey, do you think I, this, is, this is a good idea? Um, can I publish this? So your article is coming from the class that you were taking, right? Mm -hmm. So it is yes. important, that's the importance of when you are taking classes, like be focused on, on like Absolutely. those papers, get them published. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then that's like writing something that, that you like and, and, and make it uh, a strong argument. No, Sky, we, we learned a lot from you today. We learned about service, about comms, about writing articles, 
So thank you for accepting the invitation, Sky. Uh, thank you, Isidoro, for uh, participating today in the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Guillermo. Thanks, Isidoro. Thank you. Well, it looks like the episode is over. Thank you to the program of comparative literature. Thank you to Sky for accepting the invitation. I hope you join us next time in another episode of whatever we're calling this. Nos vemos. <laughs>